Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at God's word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The video showed my son Joshua, and Josh is the radio station manager up at the Fargo Baptist Church. They have a radio station there. And they sent some people over to Liberia to uh, look about the possibility of starting a radio station in the capital city. And then uh, they, Josh and some people were there for a little over a week. When he came back, he made a video to show to their church, a Sunday school class, their adult Sunday school class, to see if they could get anybody from the Sunday school class to be part of the Project Liberia team. And uh, then he sent the video to us. We're, we were his mom and dad, and he just wanted us to see the video, and we're looking at each other like, hmm, is that something we could do? And so we met with Pastor Weiss, Pastor Skeving up at Fargo Baptist Church, and they said we would love to have you be part of the team. And so that's how we ended up in Liberia for almost three years, and we're grateful for that experience. The need is huge, as, as Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, the labors are few, and it's always that way around the world. And uh, Liberia's experienced two civil wars, so most of the missionaries left, and uh, there are very few American missionaries in Liberia right now, so the need is huge. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a familiar verse to, to you, I'm sure. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, I'd like you to notice a word. I'm going to emphasize the word as we read down through the rest of the passage. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ stead be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Verse 17 reminds us that when a person is saved and they are in Christ, they're dressed in his righteousness, we in him, that person becomes a new creature in Christ. And a lot of things change. Everything changes, the Bible says. All things are become new. There are immediate changes, and then there are gradual changes when somebody is really born again. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I was the last person saved in my family, trusted Christ at the age of 17. Uh, so I, I didn't start going to church. We were already going to church. I, I didn't quit doing a lot of things that people talk about. I didn't quit drinking and smoking and all those kinds of things. But here's something that happened. My attitudes towards God, Christ, the Bible, church, all things became new. Before I was saved, I didn't want to go to church. After I was saved, I did. I wanted to go hear the word of God. Before I was saved, my dad was a Christian. He loved God, and he loved the Bible, and he had all these Christian books. I tried to read those. They were like, why? 
would he ever want to hurt? These are so boring. And then I, after I was saved, it was like, these are the greatest books in the whole world outside of the Bible. These are, these are wonderful. Notice some things that become new. Verse, uh, verse 15 says, verse 15, and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. One of the things that changes when we get saved is who we're living for. Before we're saved, we're living for, for us, for self, for me. And after we're saved, we're challenged to live for Christ. We become new. Verse 16, another thing that changes. Wherefore, hence know we no man after the flesh. You know, before we're saved, we just look at people like social security numbers, you know, somebody to make some money off of or whatever. They're just people. But after you're saved, you begin to view people as souls. These people are headed for heaven or hell. God changes their attitude towards people and gives us a love for people. Last part of verse 16 says, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet not now henceforth know we him no more. We don't view Jesus as just another human being. Jesus is just a great teacher. But he is Lord of lords and King of kings. He's our Savior. We fall in love with Christ. And I'd like you to notice an expression in verse 18. It says, and all things are of God. Concerning all these changes, all things are of God. We don't change ourselves. The Christian life is not about trying harder. It's really about just trusting more. Trusting Jesus. All these changes God does. My wife was not raised in a Christian home. She trusted Christ at the age of 11 when she was invited to go to an uh, independent Baptist church by a, a friend. She didn't know she was going to change. She, she, she went to church three times. About the third time she listened, the preacher preached the gospel. She walked forward at the invitation time, knelt down, this church secretary came and led her to Christ, and she trusted Jesus. She knew nothing about God and the Bible and but you know, the Holy Spirit came into her life that day, and he changed her. Gave her a love for the scriptures and a love for the people of God. But another huge change that happens is the word that I kept emphasizing there, the word that the Bible emphasizes, the word reconciled. At least five times we read reconciled or reconciliation in the verses we read. And when people are enemies, and they become friends, they are reconciled. When people are arguing and uh, they're at odds with one another and they work it out and they become buddies again, they are reconciled. Because of our sin against God, Romans chapter 5 says that we are enemies of God. We need to be reconciled. We have broken His commandments. And sin has separated us from God. And so... We need to be reconciled. And this passage is about how to be reconciled. It's not the only time in the Bible we, we read about this, of course. Romans chapter 5, verse 11 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. How are we reconciled to God? How do we get right with God? Let's just think about it a little bit, if you would, with me. The Bible says we're reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Notice verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And that's why we talk about Jesus Christ so much, right? 
is the way we're reconciled to God, the way we get right with God. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I love verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto, unto them. Imputing is a banking term. It's like somebody puts some money on your account. They impute to you some money. They give it to you. They put it on your account. When a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, our sins are imputed to him, and his righteousness is imputed to us. And he no longer has that on our account. He no longer has our sins on our account. The last verse says, For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. He becomes our sin sacrifice. He knew no sin. He was perfect. So he takes our sin, and the last part of the verse says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's a great transaction that the, the beautiful song that was sung this morning was all about. Christ taking our sin and giving to us his righteousness at the cross. That's how we are reconciled. We know the way to be reconciled to God, right? We're Christians. Reconciliation is not by religion. It's not by a church. It's not by baptism. It's not by confirmation or communion or catechism. Reconciliation is by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we look to Christ on the cross. And we repent of trusting anything else or anybody else. And we trust Christ alone to give us eternal life. He is the means of reconciliation. We know the means. Well, I'd like you to notice what verse 18 says. Verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. Suppose I walked in here this morning and just talk to you briefly and I said, what's your ministry in the church? What's your ministry? You might say, well, I'm helping with the construction that's going on right now. Somebody else says, well, my ministry is working in the kitchen. Somebody else might say, my ministry is encouragement. My ministry is singing in the choir, somebody might say, or playing the piano. Somebody else might say, my ministry is teaching a class, being one of the leaders at the tables in Sunday school. My ministry is caring for the physical property Someone might say, these, these are great ministries, they're all needed. And we need those ministries and more. But the umbrella ministry overall is that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. One of the dangers of missions is to begin to just do humanitarian aid because there's so many needs you can see in Liberia that people are starving, they need food. But the danger of just giving them money and humanitarian aid is you, you help them survive another day, but what are they going to do about eternity? So they need to hear the gospel. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, of helping people understand how they can be right with God through Jesus Christ. Imagine you go to the fire, fire department, the fire station, and you walk in the door and you say, what's your job? And the fireman might say, well, I'm responsible for keeping the records. 
And you notice somebody over here, what's your job? Well, look at this fire truck. See how it sparkles? My job is to keep the fire trucks sparkling clean. Somebody else may say, I'm, I'm the fire chief. I lead the team. I organize things. And those are great. We need all of those, right, for a fire department. But what's the real ministry of a fire department? Put out fires, right? Save lives. What's the real ministry of a church? The ministry of reconciliation. If an apple orchard never produces apples, can we call it an apple orchard? If a shoe factory never produces a shoe, is it really a shoe factory? And so we have to be careful as churches to not just have a well-polished, organized church. But look at our ministry and say, is anybody being reconciled to God? And God has not chosen the angels to do this. He has no plan B. His plan is you. The ministry of reconciliation to help people get right with God. But then I'd like you to notice verse 19. Not only the, do we see the, the way to be reconciled is Jesus Christ. And then we notice the, the ministry of reconciliation. But verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but, uh, it says, and hath committed unto us, now he doesn't use the word ministry here, he says, has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. So we know the way to be reconciled, it's Christ the cross, the empty tomb, it's Jesus. We know the ministry of reconciliation, what we are supposed to be doing. But now God says, I am committed unto you the responsibility of the word of reconciliation, the message itself. You must talk to people about Jesus Christ. It is vital for you to have that good and godly life, that testimony but eventually people have to hear the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not enough that we invite people to church. We must invite them to Christ. The ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. It's not enough that we just pay our bills and be a good Christian in the neighborhood. God has committed to us the word, the message of reconciliation. Notice verse 20. Now then, because of everything we've just read, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. Now Monrovia is the capital city in Liberia. And because of that, there are all these embassies all over the city. And when you go to a grocery store, you see people from all over the world because of these embassies. And... Uh, almost on a, a weekly basis, we would pass the Chinese embassy and other embassies. Um, we had some people that worked for the embassy uh, come to the, the church where we were, the church plant there in the Sophie area. And America has embassies all over the world. And in uh, Liberia, you can go to the American embassy and flying over the American embassy is the Star Spangled Banner. And there they speak 
our kind of English. And they have America's interest in mind in Liberia. Your real home, if you're a Christian, is not here. You're just, what, passing through? Your real home is heaven. Our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, Philippians chapter 3. And this church, Mount Zion Baptist Church, is an embassy for Jesus Christ in this area. And you are the ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is appointed. You may say, well, I, eh, I don't really want to do that. Well, Jesus said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is never to act independently of his home country. The American ambassador to Liberia is not there to just represent Liberia's interests. The American ambassador to Liberia speaks for America, for the United States, and they don't do things independent of the president and the Congress. And you are here to speak for Christ. Notice what verse 20 says. What are we supposed to say as ambassadors for Christ? We have the word of reconciliation. What is it? Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. God is using the Christian to plead with people. God is beseeching you by us. We pray you, we beg you in Christ's stead. Instead of Jesus doing this, we are responsible for doing this. We beg you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. You know, I think sometimes the reason we don't see more people saved is because we're too proud to really plead with people. We're too scared of what they might say or do. But the Bible says, we pray you, we beg you in Christ's stead, would you please get reconciled to God? Why aren't you saved yet? In almost every church we go to, there are people, the, the last church I went to, the pastor said, there are people who have been coming for years and they're still not saved. Why aren't you saved? Please get right with God. We beg you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. Trust Jesus today. Look to Christ and his cross and his resurrection as your only hope of heaven. In the embassy, the constitution of the home country applies. In the embassy in Liberia, the constitution of Liberia is not applicable there, applicable there. The constitution of the United States is the main guideline for that embassy. And uh, w though we live in, on earth, we have a heavenly book here that we ambassadors are to be going by. This is our textbook for how we ambassadors are to live and talk and think. Now, 
someday, the Liberian, um, the ambassador to Liberia will be called back to America, as many have already, and then somebody else goes and is the next ambassador to that country. One of these days, you and I will be called out of here to go to our home country. And we will give an account to our Lord as to what we did in the Ministry of Reconciliation. I, I just want to challenge you today, as, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are, to remember as you leave this place and walk out those doors that you will enter the mission field. You don't have to go 5,000 miles away to Liberia, although there's a need there. If you'd like to do that, we encourage you to do so. But when you leave this building and you go out there, you are leaving the embassy as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And one of your responsibilities is to plead with you. Would you please get right with God? Would you like me to take the Bible and show you how you can be saved? Give them the gospel. Invite them to Christ. We pray you in Christ's death. Be reconciled to God. And I'd like you to look at verse 2 of the next chapter. And then we'll close. For he has said, God is the speaker here, I have heard thee in the time accepted. The day of salvation have I succored thee, help thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You are not promised another moment, another hour, another day. So when God is inviting people to be reconciled to Him, when God is saying to people, get reconciled. When should I get right with God? When should I be reconciled? Now, God says. Right now, this moment, today, this moment, rejoice to be reconciled.